0: Welcome to the How to Learn Anything course from Plato University, where you're going to learn the science-based tools of pro-learners to accelerate your learning, remember more, and master any hard skills. These are the secret techniques they didn't tell you in school. If you're passionate about changing your life with learning, join us at Plato.University to get exclusive content with every lesson. I'm your learning guide, Brandon Stover, and let's get started. All right, today we're gonna talk about technique number six, which is reading effectively. Now, when we talk about reading effectively, we're not talking about speed reading. Even though you can increase your reading speed by building your vocabulary and background knowledge, there does seem to be a limit to this. Research shows that fewer than 1% of people can read at speeds faster than 400 words per minute without loss of comprehension. And that's what effective reading is all about. It's about actually comprehending what you're reading. Effective reading isn't about speed, it's about understanding what you read and remembering it later. And really, effectively reading is a combination of the previous techniques that we've already covered, especially the technique of active recall. Because when you're reading, you want to be able to look away and remember what you've read, actively recalling it from your mind. Now, I think this is pretty self-explanatory, so there isn't an example necessary, but this applies to anything that you're reading, whether it be an article, a book, or anything else that requires you to read it and effectively remember what you've read later. Now let's talk a little bit about the science behind effective reading. To better understand what you can do to read effectively, it can help to first know a little bit about the reading process itself. When you read a word, say car, you first recognize the word. Next, you silently pronounce or sub-vocalize it before finally converting it to the idea or concept it represents. So you read the word car, you subvocalize the word car in your mind, and then you bring a picture up that, that identifies the concept of car in your mind. Now, when you're reading, you identify each one of the words and your eyes jump from one word to the next word and stop some focuses again before jumping on to the next word. Now, when you're learning to speed read, some of these programs will teach you how to look at two or three or four words together and then jumping over to the next three or four words so that you are only jumping a few times and not wasting time in between. But this doesn't necessarily speed up your brain's ability to process what the words are. It's just minimizing the amount of time your eye is jumping around. And in fact, research has revealed that your brain is processing the previous word when it's jumping to the next word. And the jump is not actually what slows you down in your reading. What's holding everything up is the mental processing, the recognition of the word, the sub-vocalizing it, and the conversion from that word to an idea or concept. So if you try to increase your reading speed by cutting back on focus stops and jumps you're not really addressing the real constraint on your reading speed. If you do want to read faster you need to speed up the word recognition and conversion to concept. And this is done by having a good vocabulary, a good understanding of different concepts, the right foundational background knowledge, and of course plenty of experience with reading. Now what's the benefit of becoming a better and more effective reader for you? Well there's the old cliche that all leaders are readers. But really, one of the benefits of reading is that it allows you to master the best of what other people have already figured out. But this is only true if you can remember and apply the lessons and insights from what you read. Now, when it comes to effectively reading, at Plato University, this is largely a practice you will conduct on your own. We will always try to cite and point you to material that's worth reading, but you must make the decision if it is worth your time to read that material. And sometimes it's not going to be, and that's okay. Now let's talk about a process that you can apply to start effectively reading for yourself. And we're gonna go over a few techniques here. The first thing is, is deciding what to read, which is very, very important. You only have so much time in a day, so much time in your lifetime to read a certain number of books. So what you wanna do is choose great books and quit the really crappy ones. You know, this isn't school and there is no required reading list. Focus on some combination of books that one, stand the test of time, two, pique your interest, and three, resonate with your current situation. The more interesting and relevant we find a book, the more likely we are to remember its contents in the future. And remember, if you start reading a book and it's just not grabbing your attention or it seems like it doesn't apply to your life, you don't need to finish it. You can actually quit the book. It's totally fine. Once you realize that you can quit bad books, or reading anything for that matter, without guilt, everything changes. Putting a bad book down creates the opportunity and space for a great book. So skim a lot of books, read a few, and immediately reread the best ones twice. Now I'm gonna give you a few quick techniques that you can use when approaching anything that you're reading that'll help you to really solidify and give you a better understanding. And this technique is known as the SQ3R technique, which is an acronym that stands for survey, question, read, recall, and review. During the survey step, we can quickly skim or scan the content before we read it to prepare our minds for new information. Next, in the question phase, which happens simultaneously along the survey phase, we ask ourselves questions to improve our motivation, such as, what is the reason I'm reading this? What's in it for me? Or what do I expect to see here? Doing this helps to create curiosity, which in turn generates motivation and enthusiasm for reading. Next comes the actual reading phase, and this is gonna be a large one. I'm gonna go through the four levels of reading that you can engage in when reading something and actually engaging actively while you're reading is really important because you want to avoid passive reading. Now you think you may think that active reading is just underlining words or highlighting different passages within your text because it makes you actively feel like you're engaging with the text. And after you've underlined things and you highlighted it, you may go back and reread the chapter. Your eyes skimming more easily over the material and notice that your information now seems more familiar. Surely at this point, you must think that maybe you're burning this information into your brain. But your intuition about this is deceiving. When you highlight the material, for example, you activate the parts of your brain involved in the movement of your hand. And that's why you feel like you're doing something active. But the move of your hand is not necessarily where the learning links of conceptual understanding are formed. In other words, highlighting or underlining is passive, at least from the perspective of learning. It's not doing much to create the neural links of learning in your long-term memory. Likewise, rereading the chapter right after you first read it can provide a deceptive familiarity. The words are familiar, but you're not truly grappling with the material. Your neurons aren't being forced to make new connections. So instead, you need to actively engage in your reading. And this is why we're going to cover the four levels of reading so that you can determine which level you need to actively engage with. Because not everything you read needs to be read with the same amount of intensity. Some books are only going to deserve a skim while others deserve your complete and full attention. How much effort you put in relates to what you're reading and why you're reading it. So let's identify the four levels of reading that were presented by Mortimer Adler, who literally wrote a book on reading. He identifies four levels of reading, elementary reading, inspectional reading, analytical reading, and synoptical reading. Elementary reading is the level of reading taught in our elementary schools. If you're able to read anything from a newspaper to an article or just a text on your phone, you already know how to do elementary reading. Inspectional reading allows you to look at the author's blueprint and evaluate the merits of a deeper reading experience. We've been taught that skimming and superficial reading are bad for understanding, and that's not necessarily the case. Using these tools effectively can increase our understanding when we're reading something. So there's two types of inspectional reading, systematic skimming and superficial reading. Systematic skimming is meant to give a quick check of the book by reading the preface, studying the table of contents, checking the index, and reading the inside jacket. This should give you a sufficient knowledge to understand the chapters in the book, pivotal to the author's argument. When you're skimming these things, think to yourself, does this book deserve more of my time and attention? If not, then you can go ahead and put it down. Next is superficial reading. This is when you just read. You don't ponder the argument. You don't look things up. You don't write in the margins. And if you don't understand something, you're usually just moving on. Superficial reading or quick read is really good for doing a first pass through of a book. To really get the general concepts and then seeing if you want to put more effort into your reading. Both of these items make up inspectional reading. Next, we'll move to analytical reading. A quote by Francis Bacon said that some books are to be tasted, others are to be swallowed, and a few are to be chewed and digested. You can think of analytical reading as doing that chewing and digesting. You're really diving into what you're reading and thinking it from it from an analytical perspective. At this point, you start to engage your mind and dig into the work required to understand what's being said. When doing analytical reading, there are four rules. You need to classify the book according to the kind and subject matter, so building on previous concepts that you already have in your mind and where does this book fit in. Second, state what the whole book is about in the utmost brevity. So could you give a quick synopsis of the book and what it's about? The third rule is to enumerate its major parts in the order and relation and outline these parts as you have outlined the whole. So where does everything within the book, the major concepts, start to fit in with one another? And finally, define the problem or the problems the author is trying to solve. What was the reason he wrote this book? Why did she decide to spend so much time in writing in order to have you read it? The fourth type of reading is synaptical reading. And this is also known as comparative reading, and it represents the most demanding and difficult reading of all. This involves reading many books on the same subject and comparing and contrasting ideas, vocabulary, and arguments between those books. The goal is not really to achieve an overall understanding of any one particular book, but rather to understand the subject and develop a defluency of the entire knowledge base. There are five steps in synaptical reading. First, find the relevant passages. You need to find the right books and the right passages within those books that are most relevant for fulfilling your needs. So you may need to go back and do an inspectional reading, remember a quick read, through all the different books to really figure out how they start to piece together. The second step in synaptical reading is bringing the author to terms. When you're doing analytical reading, you have to identify the key words and how they're used by the author. This really gives you a grammatical framework of what each author is saying so that you can start seeing when a word is being used by one author in this book and a different word is being used by an author in the other book, but they actually signal to the same concept. And it's best to start taking some of these words and then put it into your own words so that you build concepts in your own mind. The third step in analytical reading is getting the questions clear. Rather than focusing on all the problems that the author is trying to solve, focus on the questions that you want answered. Think about the questions that drove you to read these books and how the different authors are providing answers to that. Sometimes we may not get an answer to our questions because they may not have been seen as questions by the authors that are writing about it. The fourth step in analytical reading is defining the issues. If you've asked a clear question to which there are multiple answers, then an issue has been defined. Opposing answers, now been translated in your own terms, must be ordered in relation to one another. Understanding multiple perspectives within an issue helps you to inform an intelligent opinion. So as you read, you're answering your own questions, but you're also starting to see the other side or other viewpoints. and Now you're really beginning to formulate your own opinion about the material. And the fifth step in analytical reading is analyzing the discussion. It's pretty presumptuous to expect we'll find a single unchallenged truth to any of our questions when we're reading. Our answer is the conflict of opposing answers. The value in this discussion is you will have all of these authors to help you to formulate this opinion. As you do this, you've now created a more informed opinion and understanding of the subject matter after going through this reading. So your job whenever you're approaching something to read is to figure out which level of understanding or which level of reading you need to do for that piece of reading. Now to be even more actively engaged when you're reading, something that you can do is take notes. And there's a couple techniques that I'm gonna show you here. The first is taking notes with a blank sheet. And the second is a strategy using conventional notes. Now the blank sheet primes your brain for what you're about to read and shows you what you're learning. So here's how it works. Before you start reading a new book, take out a blank sheet of paper. Write down what you know about the book or subject you're about to read and create a mind map, something that we discussed before. After you finish reading a certain part of the book, spend a few minutes adding to the map with a different color. During this time, try to actively recall what you read without looking at the book. Then, before you start your next reading session, review the page in the mind map that you have there and continue this process of adding to the map as you go through the book. When you're done, you can put these blank sheets into a binder that you can periodically review to refresh yourself of the different information that you've read over the years. The reason this works so well is when you first start with a blank sheet, you're forced to search your memory and put on paper what you know or what you think you know about a subject. And as you read, you literally see that knowledge grow as you add new knowledge to the foundation, sometimes even removing things you thought you knew before. Now, as you're reading, your cognitive fluency in the subject grows, you'll start connecting ideas across disciplines. Disagreeing with the authors about specific points and developing your own ideas. Now let's talk about the second strategy of note-taking which is taking conventional notes. At this point You can forget that the teacher ever yelled at you for writing in your book when you were a kid. If you bought the book It's your property and that means you can write in the margins. And what are you gonna write in the margins? Here are a few things at the end of each chapter write a few bullet points that summarize the main idea or specific point. Use your own words and not the author's. Try and connect it to something in your life, a memory or another idea that you know. Also make note of any unanswered questions that you had while reading the book. Then when you're done with the book, put it down for a week. And afterwards pick up the book again and go through all of your notes. In a lot of cases reading your notes will be as good as rereading the book again. On the inside cover, write out the main idea of the book using your own words. If you find yourself stuck, then you can go back and review your notes. Writing is the process by which we often discover we don't know what we're talking about. So writing down these ideas in front of the book is going to help you find the knowledge gaps that you still have. Additionally, you can even make a custom index on the back cover with themes or topics that you want to regularly revisit. Now, when you're writing in the margins, you can have a conversation between you and the author, asking them questions, writing out ideas in your own words, clarifying different points, or connecting ideas that you've read from another book. Then you can take all of these notes and start creating yourself a summary. So, so far in the sq 3 r technique, which is survey, question, read, recall, and review, we've covered survey, question, and reading. And we've also gone over the four levels of reading and some different ways you can take notes to be actively reading. Now let's move on to recall. After you've finished reading a passage or maybe the entire book, you want to practice recall. Attempt to remember what you've read And this happens after reading each paragraph, page, or chapter, depending on the density of the material. Now, one of the best ways to read actively is to use the technique we've already discussed earlier, which is active recall. The recall technique allows you to not only remember, but also better understand the key ideas. One study compared rereading to recall and found that students who used recall remembered 25% more of the text a week later. Another study showed that recalling material one time, doubled the long-term retention while repeated recall resulted in 400% improvement in retention. Now we've previously discussed active recall, but when it comes to reading, here's a more concrete rundown of how you can do it. Read a page as carefully as you can trying to pick out the key ideas. Then look away and either tell yourself or write down those key ideas. Now, if it's really, really difficult to do that, then reread the text. And yes, it's totally fine to reread, but this time try and pay closer attention to what you're reading. Additionally, you can try and attempt to recall what you read the very next day. And this allows you to check whether you've placed the information in your long-term memory or not. As we discussed earlier, when note-taking, you can also try and recall information rather than just looking at the book when you're taking your notes. And finally, moving on to the last part of the SQ3R, we review our material. We analyze the content from multiple perspectives. We assess what we've learned and try and connect it to previous knowledge. And believe it or not, the most effective readers spend more time on this step than any previous step combined. And that's because if you don't review the material, both immediately after and in increasing intervals, everything you've done so far is useless. You'll just forget it in the long run. We also perform spaced repetition on the material for an extended period of time, which means coming back and visiting the material, looking over the concept, recalling it from our memory, to really embed it in our long-term memory. So our activity today to try and practice this technique is to choose something to read, maybe an article or a chapter in a book, and go through this process using SQ3R. Survey what you need to read, ask yourself questions about it, decide what level of reading you need to do, and actively take notes during that reading, and recall the information once you've done and read that passage, and finally create summaries and notes that you can review later so that you retain the information long-term. Thank you for taking the How to Learn Anything course. To get everything you need to become a pro learner, including advanced resources, personal coaching, and a community of passionate learners just like you, then visit plato.university slash courses slash learning and join us for free. Again, that's plato.university slash courses slash learning.